When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. And welcome everyone to Rock M Radio. Uh, this is the beginning of a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We're here for seven seasons now. Uh, it is December 6th. We're recording this uh, season seven. Here to talk all about your Missouri basketball Tigers. I am your host, Sam Stelling. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see me on the left. Please take a moment to like this video, subscribe. There's a little subscribe button at the bottom as well. To help us grow a little bit. Uh, as you can see, there's no Matt Harris today. We are we are sticking with the Matt theme, though. Uh, the man who provides us with the verdict uh, nearly weekly on uh, on Rock'em Nation, kind of going forward, is uh, is Matt Watkins. Matt is uh, going to tell us all about the verdict, Wichita <laughs> State, all of these wonderful things that have been happening to Missouri basketball. Uh, he's he's been the man with the breakdowns. Watkins, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I, it just came to me when you were introducing me that I guess I'm a replacement level Matt for the podcast. <laughs> I well, so we do. Uh, I don't know. Like uh, Harris did have the, uh, the the privilege of going on the STL Today podcast mm-hmm. to talk uh, with uh, with Eli Hoff about Missouri basketball. Um, and I don't know about you. I listened to it a little bit and like. I talk to Matt enough that it's <laughs> like after like spending 20 minutes listening to him on another podcast, I'm like, I really don't think we need to talk to Matt Harris this week. Let's, let's see if Watkins can get on. It's, it's better for, for my own health. Um, if, if, Fair we, enough. if we try to keep our exposure to a, <laughs> a little bit limited. Um, sure. but yeah, so it's, it's been a little while since we've had you on, um, it has. It was uh, right after the Jackson State fiasco the last time I was on. So I guess we're here in better spirits than then. That's right. Uh, you were <laughs> on after that. And since then, Missouri uh, has actually done fairly well. Uh, mm-hmm. They 
they, I guess, won the rest of their bye games, even though they did so in kind of a lackluster way. They went to Pitt and won that game, came back home. And, and, and you know, the Wichita State game, you could probably describe it as uneven uh, in the way mm-hmm. that they played. Um, but, you know, like, they never trailed in the game. Um, they were ahead from start to finish. I think it took both teams about a minute and a half, of, or it took, Missouri about a minute and a half to score their first basket. Uh, it took Wichita several minutes longer, uh, but they led wire to wire basically. And if you do that against a what you know, I don't know if you consider Wichita State a high major or mid major plus. They're definitely like better team than uh, a lot of um, a lot of teams in the SEC this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a good win. <clears throat> and again, like the play was uneven. Um, you'd like to see them kind of starting to uh, be a little more consistent in some of the shot making. And, and they, I feel like they had opportunities to kind of stretch the lead out and they could never quite, you know, get it, get it too far out. Um, but, you know, a 10 point wins, a 10 point win. Yeah. I thought it was overall a good performance. It's what you want to see them do with a team like that. Um, you know, I remember, speaking after the Wichita State game and Dennis Gates had made some comments about Jackson State being a tournament team and you know I scoffed at that and like the only way they're anywhere near the tournament is if they win three games and at the end of the season which anyone can do you know and that's that's no technically he's not wrong but he's not wrong but when (laughs) we talk about tournament teams we think about one that is going to be earning their way in via an at-large bid um you know, not a 16 seed that's in the play-in game because they finished 14 and 19 and won three games in their conference tournament. But that aside, Jackson State, not a good team. But I was I was somewhat impressed with Wichita, honestly. I had not seen them play um, before I saw them on uh, Sunday, and I was actually there at the game and sitting pretty close to the court. And they don't have a lot of depth but their top seven guys were fairly impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I would agree that they are uh, the equivalent of a mid to low level high major team as far as uh, quality goes. They've got legitimate size. Poto is a good player. He's 6'10", 6'11". Uh, Quincy Ballard came from Florida State, if memory serves. So, you know, he's yep. ex- exactly in that uh, in that mold. So, um you know, I, I was at like seven, two, isn't he? he, he's a big boy. I mean, and these yeah. guys aren't string beans, you know, they're, they're well put together. And I was really impressed with Wichita state's physicality, um, around the rim and granted they did kill Mizzou on the boards, but sitting that close, you kind of get a feel for, you know, some of the stuff that's going on away from the ball. And they were, they were a physical group and I was impressed that they were able to do that for as long as they could playing as few players as they did. Um, and their guards are high quality. They can't shoot as well as they probably want to, although they were lighting up from outside against Mizzou in the first half, which is the only reason, in my opinion, that they were close at halftime is that they were hitting a ton of contested jumpers. But, uh, you know, the, the thing that really stuck out to me is that Mizzou was doing really well defensively, and I noticed this when I was rewatching the game. Um, and Aiden Shaw picked up his fourth foul with – 16 something minutes left in the second half and Mizzou was up at 11 at that point in time. And they had been just, I think 
Wichita had maybe 34 points in 24 minutes at that point. And, you know, once he left the floor, you could see a noticeable drop in the defensive uh, abilities of Mizzou. And I think that really hurt them on the boards and hurt them overall in the scoring column. So, you know, there's just a whole lot of things that added up to why they didn't blow Wichita State out, which I think at times they played well enough to do that. They missed a couple shots at the rim, the aforementioned foul trouble, and, you know, they could just never quite put them away. And some of that credit goes to Wichita. You know, they, they made some tough shots. They really competed, and I was, I was rather impressed with them, honestly. Yeah, uh, their shot-making uh, in that game was, was pretty exceptional. Um, you know, Harlan Beverly is a guy that we're pretty familiar with for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for his time. He was at Miami before this, but it was a guy that, uh, you know, Conzo and uh, and his staff really pursued pretty heavily. And I believe, you know, they were kind of, uh, you know, trailing uh, the hurricane, um, you know, for his services kind of coming out of high school. But he's a guy's, you know, pretty slippery, you know, wing. He ended up with a lot of rebounds. Um, Mm -hmm. but I thought, you know, Kobe Rogers, uh, ability to sort of make contested shots, um, something that, uh, you know, for really for most of the game was, was, you know, trouble for, you know, the Tigers. He's, he, he made several, you know, where your defense is right where you want it to be. You got a hand in the face and he still, he still knocks the shot down. Although they did a pretty good job limiting uh, Xavier Bell, um, you know Bell's one of their leading scorers, but he, you know he had kind of a tough night. Started off in foul trouble. Um, you know, I just sort of think this is a uh, it's a team that if if they had maybe you know eight uh, or a eighth or a ninth guy where they could really rely upon, um, you know just a little bit more depth then you can probably see them being a little bit more of a threat, uh, you know, to a team that wants to get as deep as Missouri does. Um, but they're definitely like, I would say like they should probably be a top half, uh, you know, mm-hmm. team in the, uh, in the American this year. Um, and I don't, I don't know that they're quite at the level of quality as like Florida Atlantic or Memphis. Um, yeah, but I don't know if there's a huge difference between them and like SMU or, or North Texas or, you know, any, any of those teams. Right. Well, they do have Ronnie DeGray, old friend sitting on the <laughs> bench, um, who's sitting out with a, a waiver situation. And then I believe, I, I don't remember his name, but they have a transfer from, um, Oklahoma on their team too. Yeah. I believe he was a guard. Um, but both of those guys are out, which is contributing to their, minutes crunch. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think especially if they get those guys back, but even if not, if they can stay healthy, I, you know, I, I could see them being a 16, 17, 18 win team, which, um, you know, it's, it's not a tournament quality team by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's a team that can give anyone trouble on a given night. Um, you know, if they're hitting contested shots like they were and rebounding like they <clears throat> like they were, they're they're very tough out. Um, so, but also I uh, did not realize this until I was at the game, but I saw T.J. Cleveland on the end of their bench. He is a, yeah. he's an assistant coach there, um, and I believe Chris Hollander was slated to be 
but then stepped away for reasons we don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah, he uh, he, he accepted the job and was there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I want to say for at least like a month or two because I want to. I, I think he's one of the main reasons why they were able to kind of get Ronnie DeGray, right? Uh, you know, onto campus there and, and committed as you know the previous relationship that that Hollander and, and he had. So yeah, don't know what what's going on with with Hollander and his in his personal life, but he did have to step away. But yeah, I did see that that TJ uh, got the job there as well. I you know I, I know like I think you know Paul Mills is kind of in that that you know, Scott Drew coaching tree family where you mm-hmm. can really see, uh, you know, him. And I know you're a, a Grant McCaslin guy. Like, I feel like those guys have a, a you know, a good amount in common as coaches and their approach mm-hmm. and their like attention to detail. They also kind of look a little bit alike and that they're kind of smaller. Yeah. They, <laughs> they, they, they look like you a little bit Watkins and the, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> I'm not short. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say like the the slender, slender uh, guys. There, yeah, they're. Um, but they're 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 both. I think in that in that family where you're. Uh, I I think it's a really good hire, and I think you know. Well, Jerome Tang too. He's a well, little bit different profile, but he's a Scott Drew. Very different. Yeah. Very. It's it, that is interesting that he's like. You get like these two guys who are so similar to each other, and then you get Jerome Tang, who's like really not like, uh, and not like Scott Drew either. Like you know, J- Jerome Tang is is boisterous and outspoken, and um, mm-hmm. and not afraid of an interview, and and you know, like hopping into the student section and doing stuff like that, and like that's just like not what you get when you get you know like scott drew or, or either of these other two guys are a little more uh understated um i think is maybe the, the best way to describe them um yeah coaches. like I, I i think i think the uh i think the shockers made a good hire uh mm-hmm. they're a little ahead of schedule that i thought they would be this year i did not really think that, you know when missouri kind of took this game that this was going to be a, a team that would be ready to kind of be as uh, as with it by the time they you know got to Mizzou Arena, but I also didn't really think like this is a team that was going to add a guy like like Beverly or mm-hmm. you know or Ballard, um, you know, two very legitimate. Um, you know, high major type players, uh, guys who played, you know, roles on, on good high majors, uh, and, and both at, at Wichita state. Uh, but it, you do sort of like, it does sort of make sense to see them, you know, add a guy like Rogers, uh, want to say Rogers was at Siena before, uh, before Wichita. I think um, that may be right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that sort of seems like, you know, a little bit more in in the, in the wheelhouse, but yeah, they got Beverly and they got Ballard, and I I I think they can make some noise in the AAC. Um, thankfully, they didn't make a whole lot of noise against Missouri. Uh, Certainly weekend. less noise than they made against SLU earlier in the season. <laughs> oh, they did put they did play SLU, didn't they? I think it was a oh, they, twenty ball they, or something like that. Yeah, nine, nineteen. Oof. Uh, yeah, that's not a good matchup. I know SLU, uh, any, obviously this is not a SLU 
podcast, but uh, anybody who's, who follows Slew, I'm sure we have some crossover fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Slew has some issues on the interior, and you could definitely see how uh, you know a big physical team like Wichita State could exploit uh, exploit those matchup issues on the inside. I believe they've got uh, Terrence Hargrove, another uh, former Missouri recruit, uh, playing a lot of the five this year, which I don't know about you, Watkins, but you know, watching him coming out of high school was not a position I thought that he was going <laughs> to, he, he, he would be acing uh, as a collegiate player. Um, so overall, good impressions on Wichita State. Do you have anything else you wanted to hit on before we moved on to what's what lies ahead? Um, the only thing I would add, and I think uh, Matt Harris might actually be in the lab on this right now, but uh, Sean East played a pretty special game on Sunday. Um, you know, he's he's really come along this year. He was a complimentary piece a year ago. Um, <clears throat> granted, Mizzou's doing different things than they were a year ago offensively, but he was kind of shoehorned into the secondary role, the push-the-pace guy in transition role. Um, he couldn't shoot from outside, um, but he's really come along this year, and Mizzou's offense especially in the second half was very much dictated by Sean's abilities he was just running ball screen after ball screen they were doing it in creative ways different types of ball screens that they were getting him into but watching him I was on that end of the court when he was uh, in the second half when Mizzou was on offense and he was spectacular being able to manipulate defenses and get to his spots and you know even find find open teammates for big shots. And, um, you know, he played a really good game and I've been impressed with him. I remember writing in the preseason that, you know, that his role as it was last year, if his skills carried over this year would be somewhat similar, but there was the potential being the first time that he had been coming back to a basketball team since high school, um, that if his shot came along that he could really, really pop and, so far, so good. I mean, he's he looked great. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. He's one of those guys who, um, I mean, he's, he's very crafty offensively. Um, you know, he's able to kind of get to his spots. He's not afraid to sometimes over dribble, uh, which isn't always necessarily like a, a bad thing when you say over dribble, I think it has like a negative connotation, but he uses the bounce to, manipulate the defense in a lot of ways. And I think that allows him to kind of get into, uh, into the spots that, you know, he's, he's comfortable and, and, you know, mm-hmm. is sort of the, the runner, the, the semi hook shot that he kind of has, like when he's in and around the basket, um, you know, it's a, and it's effective and it's, it's one of those things that is made more effective if you can make outside shots. And 
last year he was a poor outside shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there are some, some reasons for that. Uh, but this year he's kind of, you know, backed up some of like, I think what people maybe thought that they were getting, we were getting, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes the Juco numbers are juiced a little bit, um, you know, but certainly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think he's 60, two percent roughly uh from from three so far this year i think what also makes him a dangerous three-point shooter is the fact that he's not afraid on turning down um a a lot of three-point shots and making sure that he's taking the kind of threes that he's comfortable taking and he's a good shooter off the bounce i mean that's that's a big part of being a being a point guard you know if you're if you're going to be running a lot of ball, ball screens you know, if if a guy's going under, the defense is playing back, just being able to come over that screen and pull up and hit the three, you know, that wasn't in his bag last year. It is now. Um, is he going to hit 61, 62% of his three-pointers all year long? If he does, he's not shooting enough. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think some of that improvement is real. You know, it, he's too good of a free-throw shooter. He's too good of a mid-range shooter to not – have that translate over um, somewhat into three-point shooting. And I think we're starting to see that he wasn't a high-volume three-point shooter last year, to his credit, when he was struggling. So we we just have never really seen a high-volume Sean from outside. And that's fine. You know, he, he does other things really well. Um, and that's not going to be the primary component of his game this year. But having that threat makes him so much more dangerous. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, for for me, he's probably been like the biggest, you know, like good surprise uh, on the season. You know, like mm-hmm. I think when you when you watch um, a team for an entire year, you you just kind of <clears> expect <throat> certain things to stay the same. And uh, and I know, kind of moving in into the season, there was you know some discussion of like a larger role for Nick Honor. Um, you know, and a larger role for, for Sean East as well. And I know that like our initial sort of reaction to hearing like Nick honor and expanded role was like, mm, like I, I love Nick honor and I love Nick honor in the role that he's really good at, which is mm-hmm. an initiator and a, and a spacer, uh, as a creator. Um, I don't know that I love him in that role. I mean, it's just, it's tough to overcome, uh, you know, a, a five foot, 10 inch point guard trying to make plays in the, in the middle of the lane, like especially one who's not like an explosive athlete, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but with Sean East, it's like, like I could kind of see him breaking out and like, you know, being one of the leading scorers in the team and, and kind of taking on that role because like he has enough of that, that shiftiness to his game. He has enough like the finishing package in his game that I could see, like, you could see there were moments last year where he was kind of thrust into that role and he, he did really well with it. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that like it was necessarily like a, uh, a shock that, you know, he's, I, I think I'm surprised that he's done so with the efficiency that he's done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also, uh, impressed that he's, um, continued to shoot the ball, uh, as well as he has, um, everything else is, is pretty much like what we've seen from Sean East in the past. You know, he's his good finishing package runners in the lane, uh, you know, getting in and around the basket on cuts and, and all that kind of stuff. So, 
um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a good start for him. Um, how that is going to work out for him and Lawrence is a great question. <laughs> um, because if you, uh, are on the, the, the website x.com, um, Watkins, John Rothstein, that's John with an M, uh, reported tonight that, uh, and this is a, a joke, by the way, uh, a lot of people were fooled by a fake account that Hunter Dickinson was suspended, um, you know, for this weekend's game against the Missouri Tigers. And I think one of the reasons why you would not be fooled by uh, by a tweet like that is because we know Bill Self all too well, and there was he would <laughs> never voluntarily suspend a player for being a jerk. Uh, if if Bill Self suspended players at Kansas for being a jerk, Lord knows that they, they've had a lot of suspensions over the years. Um, and a lot and fewer wins. Are, like, yeah, and and he is more than willing to to take on uh, some jerks. And Hunter Dickinson is kind of fit, fitting in, you know, pretty well there in in Lawrence. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the team to the West. They are uh, they coming into the year. Um, they were kind of projected by a lot of uh, experts to be the best team in the country. I think uh, realistically, uh, you could. You could make a case for being the top overall team for several. Uh, I, I think Purdue probably deserved uh, some uh, some run there. Maybe Marquette, uh, but you know Kansas certainly. Would you look at how how much production they had coming back, um, and you look at them adding a you know a player of the caliber of Hunter Dickinson? Uh, it made a lot of sense for uh, for for Bill Self Squad to you know be the top overall ranked team. I think they've not quite lived up to those uh, those preseason expectations. Um, they started the year uh, preseason Ken Palm number two. Uh, they have since slipped a little bit to eleventh. Um, they do have some good wins though. They've beaten Tennessee. Uh, they beat uh, UConn. Um, they beat Kentucky. Um, they did lose to Marquette. Uh, and they did <laughs> beat UConn at home. Um, but they're still 8-1, and 11th in Kempom. Uh, they are a 13-point favorite. Uh, if, you, if you look at the Kempom numbers, uh, they're a team that's uh, not very deep. Uh, but they're good defensively. They're okay offensively. Um, certainly better than than Missouri has been on both of those ends. Uh, and they are kind of struggling to shoot the basketball a little bit. But this is still a you know a, a team that, by all accounts, should be in the conversation for uh, a national title run um, when March rolls around. It really is too bad that the. Uh, um, that the NCAA's little, you know, side hustle group that they they had put together, <laughs> you know, couldn't find it in their hearts to drop a postseason ban on this group because that would have been hilarious. Um, but they are eligible for the postseason, uh, and certainly the 
uh, a double digit point favorite over the Tigers in Lawrence. Yeah, I think uh, I think the NCAA handed out all their NCAA postseason bans to uh, to Oklahoma State uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the same thing, only less. Um, but without getting into all that, yeah, I, Kansas is a good team. I mean, they're they're a really good team. I don't know who the favorites are right now in college basketball. I think the ones you mentioned are good options. I, I would throw Houston in there as well as another really good team that has a chance. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it's early December. A lot of things can happen between now and March. Um, Kansas will be there. You know, I don't remember the last time Kansas wasn't a four seed or higher. You know, it's basically a one seed situation every year. Um, so, you know, the, the consistency is there. Bill Self is a good coach as much as we hate to say it. Um, they've got good players. Um, Kevin McCullough has really stepped they up. They've never year. been lower than a four seed under Bill Self. There you go. And I'm <laughs> guessing it's been a while since they've been a four seed too. <laughs> it's uh, uh, Well, so, yeah, so I just pulled up the Kempom page. They were a four seed in 2019. They were a okay. three in 2021. Uh, so it goes, this is success, su- successive years, okay, starting last year and going backwards. So one seed, one seed, three seed, projected one seed in 2020. That, that was canceled. Mm-hmm. Four seed in 2019. One seed, one seed, one seed, two seed, two seed, one seed, two seed, one seed, one seed, three seed in 2009. Uh, one seed in 2008 which i believe was their national championship year it was um and then one seed four seed three seed four seed going all the way back to 2004 let's go all the way back to 2000 (laughs) under roy williams the last time that kansas was anything less than a four seed uh that year they were an eight seed well, there you have it. So, yeah, I, I, the, <laughs> the consistency is impressive. Um, you know, the, the way in which they do it calls some things into question, but the results, I think, speak for themselves. And, I mean, they're, I, if you're scheduling a home-and-home home series with a team, if you're wanting the hardest possible game to play, Mizzou playing at Kansas would be that. You know, if you're projecting into the future, I mean, Mizzou's or Kansas is going to be up for Mizzou no matter how good or bad Mizzou is. Um, they're always going to be a good team. There might be a better team that year, but year in, year out, I would bet on Kansas being the most consistent. Um, and then having to go over that place that, uh, ugh, you know, <laughs> certain people love it. I don't. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it's a tough ask. You, I mean, Saturday is... Fog Allen. Yes, that that would be the place. Um, so I have never been to Fog Allen. I've uh, I've only like heard of its reputation, um, seen it on TV many times, but I've never been there. It, it's in the same. I'm not a big vein. bucket list guy, though. Like I'm not like <laughs> a guy just like oh, like you got to do this before. No, like I mean if. if if the opportunity presented itself and I had a chance to go, I'm sure I would, I would go. Uh, I don't know that I would just go. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I would just be like, Oh, like some they're, they're playing UMKC. Let's go to fog out. Like, I wouldn't want to do that. 
Um, <laughs> you know, but if if they were playing like somebody like I could legitimately kind of get behind, uh, even if it wasn't Missouri, but like, you know, maybe they're going to play like another Big Twelve team that uh, that I kind of liked. Um, then I could I could see myself going. But yeah, I'm not a I'm not a I, I'm not the kind of guy who's just like oh like you got to you know check that box before you die or something like. I'm, it's fine. The only question will be: Is Ted Lasso in attendance at Saturday's game? So th- this this is sort of like an interesting. Uh, you know, an interesting dilemma here. Cause like some of, some of like the, the famous celebrities, like I think it's undeniable that like Paul Rudd is one of like the most likable people in Hollywood. Right. Like he's just undeniably likable. You see him on interviews. He's likable. Like everybody loves Paul Rudd. He is a Jayhawks fan. <laughs> he went to Kansas. <clears throat> Like, so, so for Mizzou fans, like, does that cause any level of he- hesitation? Like, even though, like, that's maybe the only thing that you can point to with Paul Rudd, uh, you know, other than maybe thinking he has some kind of like dark magic that makes him stay the same age. Uh, does it make decades. me petty that whenever I was watching Ted Lasso, I was always <laughs> rooting for the, uh, the opponent? <laughs> whoever they were playing. And I was hoping Ted Lasso's team would lose. Does that make me petty in any way? So is that, is that because of like Jason Sudeikis or because of Ted Lasso? Cause Lasso was like, he was basically like the, the football coach at the equivalent of what was like Wichita. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it wasn't uh, like, he wasn't like a, a Jayhawks coach, but Sudeikis is a, he, he went to KU, right? I don't, no, if he went to Kansas, but he's always there. He was there for the UConn game. It's it's just disgusting. I, you know, I have no interest. Well, in yeah, that. he he grew up on the uh, on the, the Kansas side of the you know the the border. We have our own uh, you know roster littered with with Casey Kake. Yes, we um, we're <clears throat> fortunate that you know Aiden Shaw, uh, <laughs> Aiden Aiden Shaw, like. His parents, I, I think, are both Mizzou grads, so, you know, raised the right way, um, mm-hmm. you know. But, like, if you're just raised by maybe impartial parents, like, are, you're not going to grow up a Jayhawks fan if you're living in, like, Olathe or something? I don't, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't fault <laughs> anyone for growing up in Kansas. You know, that's that's not your choice where you're where you're born and raised, but. Everyone has a choice when it comes to going to college, um, and if you if you choose Kansas, I'm sorry. You know, it's just it is what it is. We we can't be friends. Um, that's not true. I actually do have some friends that are Kansas. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I I just choose to um, prefer to choose my uh, my entertainment options carefully. I, I'm a big Mad Men fan. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know. John Hamm, great Mizzou supporter. Yeah. Um, you know, what can I say? It's it's a way better show than Ted Lasso. So anyway, well, and, and, and so, enough about but it. But it, yeah, it's like it's it's Sudeikis and Paul Rudd and like Rob Riggle, I think, is also. I think like that's a, great. Yeah. yeah I'm going to say because they're always doing stuff together. Um, you know, they're also Kansas State's got the uh, modern family guy. I forget what his name is, but. Uh, 
Like uh, <laughs> Kansas State, the uh, the guy from Kansas City is uh, was on Modern Family. <clears throat> I forget his name, but uh, I big K State really, supporter. So you know, I I'm, really know I'm indifferent. <laughs> I'm indifferent on that. You know, but enough about celebrities. <laughs> that, that 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 was definitely like a. a a healthy sidetrack to get get us distracted from actually have to talk about uh, talk about the Kansas Jayhawks and their basketball team. Um, look, I mean they're 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 good, and uh, I don't like. What are your expectations for this game going in? Like, obviously the um, you know going into this series, um, it is. It has been brutal for Missouri the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened. Um, they were supposed to open in Kansas, uh, in Kansas City, right? And then the COVID shortened season kind of clipped that, and that was Conzo's last good year. Um, and then the first. So in, instead, the first year they just kept the schedule the same and. <laughs> I think tacked the the case Kansas City game in uh, at the end, but um, Missouri, Missouri went to Kansas and lost one hundred two sixty five, and in a game that like that was one of those things where you knew it was going to like not be pretty. Kind of going in, we had seen Missouri uh, not be good uh, by that point of the year, and and knew that it was going to be a struggle to be remotely competitive, and they weren't. Um, but last year, like we had reason to think that Missouri could be competitive and they were only slightly more competitive. They lost 95 uh, to 67. Uh, you know, and that's, that was a Missouri team that went to the NCAA tournament and had two future NBA players and they just basically got eviscerated. Uh, and, and, and now, and really like that's a, a Kansas team that, uh, uh, you know that had some some bumps and lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament, and um, and so now you had this team where pretty much consensus top five. Everybody thinks they're one of the best teams in the country with good reason. Uh, they're you know they're very talented, they're very experienced, um, and yet uh, Missouri has to go play a game, and they've had their own kind of bumpy season they've already lost to jackson state and lost uh you know at home to to memphis and a game where they didn't look very good in so what are what are your expectations that's a good question my my expectations is i want to see them compete you know i i'm not i'm not expecting a win i'm not saying it's impossible it's close but it's not impossible um but Kansas has treated this game per Kenpom as eighty eight percent chance to well, so Kansas has eighty percent chance to win. So that means that that would give Missouri basically a twelve percent chance. Those strike me as high. <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know without getting into putting a numerical figure on it, it's just Bill Self and Kansas treats this game like it's the biggest game on the schedule, and usually that is not the case in the last decade when anyone is playing Mizzou. It is what it is. Mizzou's not been a great program over the last decade. We know that. We've seen it. Um, So when 
someone else treats you like that, it's somewhat rare. When one of the best teams in the country treats you like that, when you're going on the road, that's very rare. Um, so I, I struggle to see Mizzou getting a win. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I struggle to see it. But what I do want to see is Mizzou to come out and match their intensity. I want to see them defend. I want to see them play with some amount of poise. Um, you know, it's going to be a raucous environment. They're going to be, people are going to be hanging off the rafters. It's going to be packed, loud, intense, <clears throat> every adjective that you can think of to describe it. Uh, so I wanted to see Mizzou handle that. You know, it's it's one thing to go in and take a loss and to put your best foot forward. It's another thing to get a 30 ball dropped on you. You know, that's what I don't want to see. Um, and I don't think it's going to happen, but it could. It could very easily. Um, but Mizzou has enough experience. They've got enough athleticism. They've got enough size to compete with Kansas. It's a matter of going in with the right attitude, executing and playing your best game. Um, and I think if Mizzou does that, you know, it'll be a it'll be an entertaining game. But can they do that? Fog Allen has a way of making teams not play their best game. Um, and if you check out our verdict that's going to be dropping the pregame keys on Friday, I'll have some added context on why teams struggle there. Um, <clears throat> but you just got to be on top of it for 40 minutes. If you let off for 30 seconds, the game's over. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's 40 minutes of nonstop focus, intensity, physicality, and execution. And if Mizzou does those things and still comes up short, I'm fine with it. Well, I think if Bill Self had his his druthers, um, then this game wouldn't still be played. Like, I, I think the only reason Missouri and Kansas were scheduled is because Bill got himself in the hot water with the NCAA there was a decent chance, at least when, you know, this news kind of came out that uh, they were going to have a postseason ban. Uh, very clearly, uh, you know, everything that happened afterward, be, you know, became kind of farcical uh, as far as, you know, punishing any of these programs with any, uh, you know, any kind of real punishment. Um, so I, I think... Kansas and and self in particular were found themselves in a place where they really kind of needed Missouri um, and having these games kind of scheduled at a time where you know Kansas and self were probably at their lowest point from a negotiating standpoint and, and you know not really him not being able to kind of dictate the terms, I think is really like why we are even playing these games. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's good for college basketball. Uh, Missouri and Kansas should always play. Uh, I know conference realignment has sucked for a lot of things. And I think, you know, college basketball is one of the things that uh, has been impacted more um, in a negative way than, uh, you know, like I thoroughly enjoy watching SEC football. And I think that having Missouri in the SEC is, uh, has been great for, for football, but it has been really, really challenging for a lot of, you know, basketball fans to get excited mm -hmm. about, uh, about playing a lot of these non-historic rivalries. Cause a big part of 
you know, like college basketball is, is knowing your, your, your rivals and knowing that you're going to play Kansas twice and Kansas state twice and Iowa state twice and all these, all these games. Um, and so I think it's really important that we're, we're playing these games. Uh, but at some point, Missouri is going to have to find a way to be competitive with Kansas. Mm-hmm. Like if you're putting a team on the schedule, <clears throat> you can't, show up and get blown out every time. Uh, I'm still a believer in Dennis Gates. I think that Dennis Gates is a really smart young coach. Um, He can say all he wants about, you know, like the last press conference they had, he was basically like blowing off like, Oh, we're, you know, we don't look at the opponent. We look at what we do. Like that's, that's bull. Okay. (laughs) You know, who is on your schedule. You know how important that that game is. Uh, you knew last year, and I I feel like last year that team kind of got psyched out, mm-hmm. and so like that's kind of what it was their first real, real non conference game, at that point. Um, so it is. I am curious how to see how they come out because you don't have that excuse this time. We. We as Missouri fans need to see more tangible progress against your biggest regional rival. We can talk about, you know, regional rivals being Illinois and Arkansas and all these, uh, and they are like, we do have rivalries with them, but the biggest regional rival is, is Kansas and will always be Kansas because Kansas is the best program in the region. So how do you stack up against them? And if you go in there and you lose by the margin, margins 13, is that a success? I would like, I would still argue that it's not like, yeah, you need to find a way to be competitive in this game. And if it's, if you're close, uh, the entire way it's back and forth, back and forth. And in the last five minutes, they just hit a couple of shots. You end up losing by 10, like fine. That's, that's tangible progress though. You're, you're competitive. They need to be competitive. And for me, like that's the biggest step that I want to see from this program. Yeah. I won't consider any loss a success, but you know, there's varying degrees of non successes. Um, Right. And if you go in and if you acquit yourself, we're not looking for moral victories, (laughs) you know, like if you go in and play a hard game, I'm, yeah, not gonna like, come out and, I'm not going to write in, in my piece next Monday that everything is great. This is where Mizzou needs to be. That's not the case. But it is worth noting that Mizzou is trying to still build a program. They have not built a program over the last 10 to 15 years. The last thing that Mizzou had resembling any program with traction was Mike Anderson in the early late 2000s, early 2010s. Interestingly enough, that is when Bill Self decided it wasn't really in his benefit to play Mizzou anymore. And then after a series of terrible seasons and Konzo getting kind of back on track and a little off track, Bill Self pops in and says, hey, you know, this isn't the worst time to play you guys. Let's (laughs) set up a six game series. So I think there's some of that, um, some of that at play, too. And so far, it's proven to be right. Um, you know, he's gotten to use Mizzou as a pinata, which it doesn't really do anything for their 
tournament resume. It did last year, um, but it does a lot for the energy in their fan base and for their program to just absolutely annihilate their biggest rival. So yeah. that that's what needs to change in the short term. Yeah, I think that that's where I'm I'm at on it. Um, I don't I don't know what I'm gonna expect to see on Saturday. Like you know, no, nothing would surprise me. Like it really wouldn't surprise me if they just got obliterated again. Um, but I do think there are ways for this team to be more competitive. Um, they do have enough size around the rim to bother Hunter. Uh, they do have some athleticism on the wings to, you know, to impact, uh, you know, Kansas and some of their questions. Cause I think, you know, the biggest question that people have with the Jayhawks right now is, is what they're doing on the wing. Um, you know, but at the same time, like w- watching the way that the game has unfolded each of the last two years, you have to sort of feel that, that self just has some kind of like devil magic uh over his own team that they're going to play their best uh and they're going to be so flipping ready to come <laughs> out and decimate Mizzou and you just like I'm just hoping that you know Dennis and his guys are like they're ready for the level of intensity uh that that they're gonna, <clears throat> they're going to see I'm just looking something up here I uh <clears throat> want to bring up this point um and I want to make sure I'm right before I say it on air. Um, <laughs> so of the, <clears throat> excuse me, of the transfers Mizzou's brought in, um, Caleb Grill, Jesus Carolero, um, Connor Vanover, Tamar Bates, and John Tanjay. Um, obviously, we haven't seen much of John Tanjay, regrettably, but um, both Tamar Bates and and Caleb Grill have played at Allen Fieldhouse before. They both, uh, Tamar played there last year. I'm not sure if Iowa State's visit last year was during Grill's um, absence from the team, but he's played there, I know for a fact, in years past, if not last year. So, you know, Nick Honor and the returning players have not played at Kansas, but they played against Kansas last year. Um, so there should be no surprise as to what Mizzou is in for. The freshman going into a big environment is always a question mark. There's no doubt about that. But your veteran leadership, your veteran core knows about what is waiting for them Saturday afternoon. Um, so whether they're up to that or not, we'll find out. But the surprise factor shouldn't be there. And even, you know, I will even say I'm not saying I know this for a fact, but Dennis Gates was new to the program last year. Um, you can say all you want about the rivalry, but until you really experience it, do you know? Um, and I'm not saying he didn't have his team prepared or if it was a matter of execution. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it was an absolute annihilation from whistle to whistle. So he knew if he didn't know before the game, he knows now about what's involved in playing a Bill Self Kansas team in this rivalry. And I think having that cumulative experience across players, your leaders, your team, your coaches, um, you know, that should work in Mizzou's favor, at least compared to the last two years that most of the guys flying were flying blind um, coming into the game, you know, as far as what was waiting for them on the other side. And it wasn't pretty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty much, you know, Kobe and uh, Ronnie DeGray 
<laughs> Nick Honor played pretty well. I know he wasn't a returner. He played pretty well, but the I think Javon Pickett might have had a nice game in Lawrence, comparatively speaking. And other than that, it was there's not a whole lot to write home about those years. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Well, so so that is Saturday. Um, we are recording this Wednesday. Uh, and then the following Sunday is the next time that they play, correct? That's right. Um, Seton Hall. In Kansas yeah. City. In Kansas City, they play Seton Hall. Uh, and then the following Thursday or Friday is Bragg Friday Rights. night. Friday night Friday, lights. Friday is Bragg Rights. Uh, so this is this is a big three game stretch um, for for the Tigers. They they definitely uh, can't go for three. They they are going to need to probably pick off Seton Hall, and if you can if you can pick off Kansas and and Lawrence, boy, that is a uh, that is that's one of those like forget what happened against Jackson State kind of <laughs> resume wins. Um, I think uh, I think they would call that a seed line bump kind of win, um, it's but a, again, I think that's a season changing and perhaps program changing win if you can get it. Yeah, so let, just and, go do it. Just go beat them. Like, how hard and, is it really? How I'm hard is gonna, beating Kansas and Lawrence really? I don't want anyone to walk away from this with me comparing the two, but Mizzou got that win, that program changing win last year in Knoxville. Um, Tennessee is not Kansas. They're not our biggest rival. But when you look at how good that team was and the fact that Mizzou went on the road and beat them, I remember looking up at the time, there were five wins more valuable in college basketball. You know, it's it was an incredibly valuable win. It changed the course of their season. They did it in dramatic fashion. Um, you know, and those are the types of wins that take you from a young program, a building program to one where you want to be. And you're not going to win all those games ever, but those are the steps. That's the progress that you see improving programs make when they eventually get to the, uh, to the top of the hill, if they ever make it. So go win. Well, yeah, go win. <laughs> that's all I've got. No that's pressure. I, it's I, it's I have not to a say. big risk. <laughs> it's like I said, how hard is it to win in Lawrence? I mean, really, like it can't it's, be that hard. It's just a basketball game. It's just a basketball game. You've just seen Moneyball, haven't game. you? you? You've <laughs> seen Moneyball with Brad Pitt, another Mizzou, Mizzou guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, with uh, Ron Washington and Billy Bean walking into uh, Scott Hatterberg's house. And he's like, we want you to play first base. It's not that hard. <laughs> Tell him, Ron Washington. <laughs> He's like, it's very hard. <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's just first base. <laughs> exactly. Like you just you just you just go down to Lawrence. You beat Jayhawks in Fog Allen. Like, but you know what? Scott did it. He played first base. So, <laughs> hey, yeah, that's all. That's that's all we got. Uh, so I'll be back next week with or without him. I'm not him. Uh, I'm I'll forever going to point the wrong direction. Um, but yes, this guy, uh, you'll be back at some point in the future. Um, I don't know if it'll be you or, or the other Matt, 
uh, next week, but we will certainly talk about what happened in Lawrence and preview everything that is coming with the Seton Hall Pirates uh, and your Missouri Basketball Tigers who are looking to go to 8-2 and two, um, on this young season. Uh, so with all that said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed here because we have more uh, football podcasts. Apparently, there's still football things happening. Uh, and bowl season, which I think is important. Uh, transfer portal season, which is maybe more important. Uh, and so we'll have all that covered as well. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll be back next week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.